Hello and welcome to another episode of the Uncommon Energy Podcast. On this week's episode, we're going to be talking about Pokemon cracking down on stores and shops, breaking street dates, selling League products. We'll talk about that, a little bit of a note that was sent out to Pokemon Leagues this week. We'll, of course, chat about the results from the Stuttgart Regional Championships this past weekend over in Germany, the decks that won, the decks that did well, the decks that disappointed We'll, of course, have Guess That Flavor Text, everyone's favorite segment of the cast. And then we'll wrap up this week's episode by talking about the upcoming San Antonio Regional Championships this coming weekend, the largest regionals of all time. Going to be a wild one. Everything is bigger in Texas, so they say. We'll find out for sure this weekend. And then, of course, we will have our weekly bonus episode over on our Patreon for all our Patreon supporters. So, if you want to get a little bit of extra content from myself and Azul every single week, the place to do it is over on that Patreon. Check it out. 30 minutes every single week. Uh, the website is in the description, as always. Patreon.com slash Uncommon Energy Podcast. My name is Chip Ritchie, joined here, as always, by my friend and co-host, Azul GG. What's up, Azul? How we doing, man? How's your week? You are muted. This oh, is yeah. two weeks in a row of that exact <laughs> well, I was, thing happening, I was, by the way. <laughs> I was opening a soda, so I I muted oh, so while I opened my soda. But then I I don't think my mic would have picked it up to be honest. But I was just like, all right, just in case. Better safe than sorry. I don't want you to like you'd be like, so if you heard it, you'd be like, and then we have to redo the intro. <laughs> um, so I like muted, and then yeah, I didn't. Un- I forgot to click the unmute. Um, but yeah, this week was pretty good. Um, I know I've mentioned this to you before. Um, but I'm like a big fan of esports in general. Mm-hmm. So the Call of Duty esports started up again this week. So I was uh. Uh, glued to my my monitor with that uh this week or glued to my my computer watching that um so yeah, i'm a big fan of esports in general and call of duty's like been my main esport for a while it used to be league of legends a while back um but once i kind of understood how bad north america was at league of legends <laughs> i kind of stopped <laughs> you had no one to cheer for anymore well i mean i just like watching like i don't i don't really have like a favorite team and like even like in sports and stuff i just like watching competition you know i'm a big fan of i mentioned this before but like the nba playoffs nfl playoffs huge fan of watching those not regular season stuff. There's so little on the line. It's hard to watch it. Football is like the only difference there where it's like every game does have a pretty big impact. Sure. Um, and then big kind of esports as well, just competition, right? Like Counter-Strike and Call of Duty, I guess, have been like my go-to esports recently. And that started up again. The Call of Duty League started up again this week. So I watched that over the weekend. I was loving that. Um, got registered for Knoxville as well. I was sweating a little bit, you know, living <laughs> the life of a European. You were one of the lucky day. ones, huh? Um, yeah, registered. I guess because it went by. Well, it's 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 still that weird lottery system. So I think it was like stretched over like 45 minutes because it's like there's that weird like 30 minutes where it feels like you can register within the first 30 minutes. And then 15 minutes after that, after people get bumped out from going to the pay window and then not paying in the like you get like a, like once you like get through the first part of registration, you go to the, sp- the window or the page where you pay and your slot is held for 15 minutes once you get there. So then you can always check like 15 minutes after registration has started and you could still possibly yeah, see if get someone in. didn't pay. Yeah. So I don't know how long it was open for, but even if it's open for like 30 minutes, 45 minutes, it's because of like the weird lottery system that they have going on. So it truly would be gone in seconds. Yeah. If their system they have in place wasn't actually in place. And it went, it went fast as far as I know. I got in though, like instantly. Um, so I wasn't really sweating to be honest. And um, I'm actually curious. I mean, it filled up. There's 1200, right? I was going to see how many people there were, but yeah, we know it was 1200. Yes. Yeah, so that filled up pretty much. Pretty much instantly, I think, probably for all divisions, I would imagine. And uh, we might still, they haven't said anything yet about like a, a second wave, have they? 
They have not, not that I've seen at least. So I don't think there is. And I don't expect yeah, there to be. Because I think if they had. And, and like I said last week, I mean, we talked about this. This is one of our topics last week on the podcast. But like, this is just, you know, th this has to not be like the organizer's fault, right? Because like, they definitely would. Well, I don't know if I should go that far, but like, th this is the venue that they to. have booked. Like, this is the constraints of the venue, I'm sure. They would love yeah. to sell more seats. It's the same organizer that's putting on this 2,000 person regionals in Texas. If they had the space, they would love to fill it. So, yeah, I'm sure they would love to fill it. I think it is like, yeah, like I said, I think this is like a big one where I feel like, you know, we can't just like complain and like about every little thing that happens. That should be like some understanding from us as well. It's like anything that goes wrong with the Pokemon TCG is not worth like losing our minds over. And this is like one of those things I think we definitely give the benefit of the doubt here and be like, I'm sure they would want more space. And I, there probably won't be a second wave because they know 1200 is too low for yeah. the demand. So, if they could have given up more seats instantly, or maybe that's something they're working on, like maybe they wanted registration just to go up. You know, I think they've been aiming for that like two months before the event for registrations to go up. That's a little bit RK9 tweeted out before like the second or third Amer North American regional registration went up. Yeah. They aim for those eight weeks. Um, so maybe they just want to get this up in that like time frame. And then from there, maybe they are going to try and put some put some more seats together and try and do a second or third wave. Um, so I have to wait and see. So yeah, if you didn't get to Knoxville, I think you should definitely like yeah, be on the lookout for that second or third mm -hmm. wave. That, that comes up a lot with majority of major events, it feels like these days. There's almost always another wave. Um, of registration as well i just noticed your your sign that you have in the background you change it oh, yeah. <laughs> every month or so i feel like i just noticed lost tina bdif what, what's up with that the messaging there hey man as long as alberto's gonna play lost tina it's the bdif that's my <laughs> <laughs> and speaking of which we'll talk about that a little bit when we get to stuttgart um but yeah, yeah. my week was pretty normal nothing crazy going on um i actually watched uh some call of duty tournaments this weekend but it was not cdl that azul was watching i was actually watching a warzone tournament that was happening yesterday that was pretty uh interesting because they just did five games and the winner of each game got 20k and it was not, not not kills based or anything like that so it was just literally based on if you won the game you got 20k <laughs> and it was like all pros in the lobby and stuff too it was pretty wild was one it, guy was won it solo games it was crazy it was like solos then right yeah it was solos yeah that's got to be like I've like watched some some battle royale tournaments before in the past, and it's like it's always really campy if it's based on like if it, if you get winning. too many yeah winning or like like if you get top eight you get so many points like well, they're usually more entertaining to watch when it's like the the points are based on kills like higher you get a lot more points for kills That's yeah I, I mean I like the mix of like yeah yeah you get some points for kills and then also some points for placement because at the end of the day it's a battle royale like the goal is to be the last person standing like that's the goal of the game mode right so true, it's like true. there should be some incentive there to try to survive but you know there can be two strategies going into it right where you're just slaying out you know getting all the eliminations or uh trying to just play for the placement points yeah but. being a little ratty hiding in a bush or something <laughs> <laughs> that's what it, it was really funny watching these you know because it's all these sweaty Call of Duty streamers who like run around public lobbies all day, you know, getting 25, 30 kills in a game. But then they're just like posted up in a building, chilling in a corner for five minutes. <laughs> and then they go rotate into zone and they're all running smoke grenades and throwing smoke grenades at the ground to rotate in and stuff like that. <laughs> it was pretty Variety wild. gameplay. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, with that being said, we can get into our first topic this week. And this is something that came across my Twitter feed this week. Um, and it's a note that went out from Pokemon to, I assume, game stores. I don't know if this went to all game stores, just some game stores. 
but it does just sound like in general, I mean, the first line of it, we'll get into like all the details of it. Uh, but this first line of it just says, hello, we're reaching out on behalf of play Pokemon to update you on the following changes to our street date, street date break and misuse of league materials policies. So if you don't know what a street date is, it's pretty much just like the day that stores and shops are able to sell products that they receive from the manufacturer and the date is usually set by the man manufacturer like they are not able to sell things before a certain date right yeah yeah and so this is a update that was sent out i guess you want me to just go through and read it yeah yeah go ahead i thought i thought that's where you're going with it so i was like <laughs> <laughs> we had that like we have decided to issue the following informational message to all leagues with an understanding that, and this is bolded, moving forward, violations of our policies can result in penalties up to and including the removal of a Pokemon League from your store or a suspension from all play Pokemon programs. So pretty steep penalty here, right? If yeah. stores are unable to abide by this, they risk losing pretty much everything they have to do with Pokemon. Yeah, and I think that's probably something that's been in the place before. They probably just never acted on it, but now they're making it clear. It's like, okay, this is the last, this is the last warning we're going to give you, or the the only warning we're going to give you. Yeah. Um, better abide by it now. Yeah, these uh, things have definitely existed for sure. I mean, but yeah, it is yeah. interesting because that first line does say, uh, it's update to the following changes. So there are like some changes here, I imagine, okay, okay. in some regard. But yeah, like you know, you've never been allowed to break street date because stores get their hands on these products you know usually a few days early a week early sometimes depending on certain things how much you order and stuff like that uh but yeah so in regards to street date breaks include but are not limited to selling opening or distribution of pokemon tcg products before the listed date of sale examples include elite trainer boxes build and battle boxes and booster boxes this date of sale is provided by official announcement from Play Pokemon, as well as being indicated by our resellers when purchasing products. So when you're getting stuff from distributors, it is considered a misuse of materials to break street date, and it gives an unfair advantage to stores willing to break our policies, which we consider disrespectful to Pokemon's values and spirit of the game. Yeah, so... um. I guess I don't know. It feels like it's like uh, I, these kind of things with me. It's like I guess I'm not in the the seller's shoes, but I'm someone personally who's like I'm not trying to step on anyone's toes when it's like obvious. Like there's like those sayings like rules are made to be broken and um, ask for forgiveness, not permission. Um, I'm someone who's just like if it's pretty obvious that you're not supposed to do something, you know, just don't do it and just figure out the best way you can take advantage of like you know operating within the in the rules or whatever but it seems like pokemon is getting fed up with people uh <laughs> people going outside of that a little bit too consistently and they're i mean it's weird because it sounds like this is specifically going after like leagues right they're not even like going after they're not saying we're not going to give you product anymore as a store but we're going to shut down your pokemon league so it's like yeah, if they're you're not able to yeah but it's but it almost from what i can understand though, it sounds like they would like still send you product though to sell they're not going to try to completely remove you as like a business partner, but they're just like, they're going to try and start to take something away from you. I guess it is interesting. Like, I feel like that would be something that should be in that first line is like the inability to purchase products moving. Yeah. Forward. <laughs> yeah. So maybe it's like, it's like they understand that they can't afford to lose everyone who's doing this, but it's like, 
you're not going to get to take the full advantage of being like a Pokemon partner, you know? Yeah, and maybe um, that is what they would do, and it's just not written here. I'm not sure, but yeah, or maybe that's like maybe this is just well. I mean, because when you buy okay, stuff maybe from the it's... distributor, you have to agree as well with the distributor that you're going to abide by the street date. So, like, if your distributor finds out that you're breaking street date, they probably wouldn't sell to you anymore as well. Like, that might be a separate thing there. I don't know I... exactly how the whole, like, relationship system there works. Yeah, honestly, Distribu I don't know. Distri <laughs> like, uh, card shop to distributor, distributor to TPCI. I almost feel like the distributor, like, I feel like Pokemon would care if the distributors aren't keeping the people they sell their stuff to in line, but if Pokemon never hears about it, I almost would, I would assume like most distributors probably don't care. It's like, if it gets back to Pokemon and Pokemon's like, Hey, we heard people who are buying from you are opening stuff a little bit early. You have to handle that. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. And then, and then the distributor probably like, all right, we'll go handle it. We'll make sure they don't do that anymore. We'll stop selling to them. Cause they, they don't want to get in trouble with Pokemon, right? Every distributor wants to sell Pokemon cards, right? They want Pokemon cards. So they can, sell to stores and stuff this is a pretty big market so they're not trying to lose that but yeah, i don't honestly don't even know how much like the distributors care overall if it's happening unless pokemon finds out about it i also wonder with this too because one of the lines in here specifically says something about opening products before street dates now a lot of stores get their product a few days in advance and a lot of the big you know online retailers that sell a lot of singles will get their product in and then open up that product when they get it in so that they can get the singles ready to be sold for pre-orders that they've done. I, you know, none of this that they're talking about here is going to limit pre-ordering or anything like that, I would imagine. Uh, but the interesting thing is that it does say they don't want you to open products. Now, I, I wonder if that's just in regards to like opening publicly, you know, like some people in the past have like streamed, like Darium's always did really big early streams of opening yeah. their products and stuff like that when they were opening stuff for singles on their website yeah i would have to assume that's only means like publicizing the opening of products not because you gotta they gotta open their booster boxes to get the singles to sell the singles like yeah <laughs> that's a lot of booster boxes they gotta open or if they have to wait until release day they're yeah, just they're gonna not be trying to work. <laughs> also so like one of those behind. things that's one of those things where like if that is what they don't want you to do like Stores are going to do it anyways. And they're never gonna <laughs> yeah. So it's like, but I doubt they don't care about that. I would 100% doubt they care about that. They probably care about you taking pictures, videos, um, <clears throat> stuff like, uh, stuff like that would be my, uh, would be my assumption. They just, yeah, they don't want it publicized, but you could probably open the product ahead of time and then get ready to sell your singles. Cause that would be a pretty big hit time wise to like stores. Um, I guess they can still put it up for pre-order, but you just don't know how much you have of everything when you like send them, you put stuff yeah. live, I guess. I don't know. Um, and then, just get ahead of it. <clears throat> and this other point here is about the misuse of League materials. And this is probably more so like why it's related to Pokemon Leagues specifically. Yeah. Because, it's like the know, bigger deal. There are a lot of card shops all. that sell Pokemon products, but not every card shop has a Pokemon League. And if you have a Pokemon League, you're often sent product for free to give to the participants of your league, whether that be promo cards, the prize packs, those type of things um so yeah misuse of league materials includes but is not limited to selling play pokemon prize packs selling league stamped promos prize pack singles or staff promos regardless of source selling free promotional material provided by play pokemon for league participation selling pre-release build and battle boxes before the listed date for sale or using pre-release kits for anything other than in-store events for attending players you are allowed to sell leftover pre-release product only after the release date or if you are in a territory for early sale of products. 
Failure to adhere to these rules might result in loss of pre-release eligibility. League materials are distributed to provide a fun, exciting environment for those in your community who want to participate in Pokemon events. We consider the misuse of League materials a violation of the trust we want to provide in our community. Yeah, so I mean, I think I had heard quite a bit about like leagues not having the prize packs and stuff like that. Um, <clears throat> it was like the biggest one that I like ever heard uh, people talk about. The pre-release stuff, never, I've never like heard too much about that. But I guess like the well, the biggest thing in here, maybe I like missed it. But you, but the biggest thing here is like the not being able to sell league stamped promos, right? Yeah, that is kind of the um, most interesting thing to stand out to me here. Now. Obviously, I don't think stores should take like I don't think stores should sell prize packs, right? Because they get given them from Pokemon. You know, those yeah. are meant to be given to their players in their league and stuff. But yeah. let's say little Timmy opens up his prize pack and then pulls a, you know, Radiant Charizard with the league stamp on it. It's worth a couple hundred bucks. He wants to really? go sell it to the store. Yep. <laughs> he wants to go sell it to the <laughs> store so he can buy singles to build his deck. This is outline says, regardless of how you source these cards, the Pokemon does not want you to sell stamped promos, which I also do understand from their point of view as well, because it becomes a big game of like, you know, he said, she said, she said, like, you don't know where these things necessarily came from. There's always the opportunity for yeah. someone to try to abuse this if you allow the sale of it at all. Yeah, I mean, like they would always like, I don't know, there's, there's like another workaround, right? It's they go to eBay with an account that's not under their store's name and they sell it on yeah, eBay or whatever, right? So and there's always a workaround. Yeah, um, I, I mean, I that that just feels really weird to me because, yeah, like what if little Timmy wants to sell the car? And the thing is, actually, I assume this is part of it. I assume you're not allowed to the stores aren't allowed to buy the cards either, but they don't say anything about buying the cards, just selling the cards. Yeah, so there's nothing buy against it, buying the cards so they can buy it from little Timmy. They just can't sell it back to yeah. big Timmy. OK, you yeah. could buy I mean, it and then use it for your league in some other way if you wanted to. Yeah, I guess that I guess that's maybe I don't know. It just feels weird because I feel like. Those league promo cards are like, um, are a big thing that would be in circulation of like a local game store's economy to yep. be able to utilize as something to provide value or to provide, um, um, it's like a big card that they can buy from people who open the packs and then sell and make a profit, right? And not like a malicious way, you know, it's just like, you know, the cards worth 20 bucks, they buy from Timmy for 10 or 15 bucks, you know, they resell for the 20, whatever. Um, it, it that that seems like a like, and it's like all in that like kind of more competitive Pokemon TCG ecosystem. So kind of like they get the price packs, they open them up. There's some, and the cards are kind of expensive too. Like the the league promote like competitive cards, right? Um, yeah, it depends. Like some of them, you know, like the Sableyes and the Forest Seal Stones. Yeah, and Snorlaxes like those were a little bit more expensive because there's people, uh, you know, like you who go out of their way to get the non-hollow versions of cards because they prefer that. But yeah. like some of the cards, like you know, the league stamped Urshifu Rapid Strike Urshifu V is like almost the same price as the Rapid Strike Urshifu V regular one. Okay, yeah. So yeah, it just see, it just feels weird. I mean, like obviously, I understand the idea of like uh, taking advantage of it. Like you don't give out some of the packs; you open them yourself. You sell the cards or you sell the packs. Yeah, and that's um, what they don't want people to. Yeah, do. Yeah, and that's what they're trying to avoid happening. But like. I don't know. It feels like if you're someone who's going to do that, knowing you were kind of breaking the rules to begin with, like, I mean, I guess like you, you need some rules in place, right? If the rules are being broken anyways, putting more strict rules out there, you hope to like to diminish it as much as you possibly can. So I guess maybe it does make sense, but it just kind of feels weird that you can't, you know, you can't buy the card from little Timmy so he can then go buy, 
I don't know, a pack of dragon shields to sleeve his deck with. And then you, you know, you do resell it at a higher price or whatever, but that doesn't seem like there seems like there's nothing malicious there specifically. But I guess it's the other stuff that they're trying to crack down on is just like the withholding of the prize packs and then just sell them or open them and sell the promos yourselves, which I understand, I guess, being something they don't want to have happen because the prize packs are supposed to go to the people who show up to your league, right? Yeah. And then it also begs the question of like, how far back does this limitation go? You know, if someone, you know, is buying like the old school stamped you know, like Uxies and Azelfs and stuff like that yeah. from like 2009, 2010. Their well, store's the, not allowed to sell those, you know? Yeah. And the reply here, I mean, Tabletop, this tweet comes from Tabletop Village and they, um, their own reply was, uh, what is that? Yeah, they said they have a ton of league promos. They didn't have a league when these promos were released, but they pulled them off their shelves and online channels. So they're like, you know, abiding by this. They're not going to sell them. And it's just pictures of, you know, stamped Torterra, Countercatcher, Leafeons, Abstraka, Lucario, like these cards that were in the past given to some other store for free. But, you know, that's years ago at this point. How much are those Countercatchers worth? Those actually have to be worth a decent amount, right? Whenever Countercatcher reprint came out, they were worth like ten bucks. I don't know how much they're worth now. Oh, that's not that much. I thought it'd be worth more. I guess the gold ones were like the big thing that people were sought after. That's the thing too is there's just so many prints of these cards now. Yeah, it looks like on CG Player they're like seven bucks. I don't know. This just feels. It feels like, like I mean, I just kind of like it feels bad for like local game stores who are like generally abiding by the rules and are like only like you know buying the cards that the players want to sell and then reselling those. Um, I know there was like. It's actually interesting that this happened because I know there was. Did you see that Twitter thread that happened about uh, Full Grip reselling League Pack promos? I did see um, that. That was like yeah. last year. Yeah, basically someone made a big stink about Full Grip selling League promos, and Full. Uh, I don't know. I think Mahone maybe replied to them or Full Grip themselves, and they were just like, "I mean, these are just cards that we bought from our locals," and they replied that you can't sell any of them or any th- any like League promo stuff. I don't believe that was a rule back then. Like that wasn't the that wasn't one of their their restrictions back then. But now it is. Um, so yeah, and I guess yeah, it's just trying to crack down the on the idea of like people you know withholding the packs and opening themselves. But yeah, I don't know. It just I don't know. It just feels a little weird. This feels a little weird. I feels like there could have been a better way to do it. And you know, like maybe like a better reporting system I mean, from the players at the leagues to like a blanket like you can't do this is probably genuinely the best way to do it. Like the well, yeah, only way that but... it's like as enforceable as possible. I like, just sure, there's like still it's... always gonna there's all no matter what system you put in place, there's gonna be bad actors and people who like still do it yeah. anyway, no matter what. But I feel like you could have put forth maybe like a better reporting system for players at leagues to report the stores that are like seemingly withholding league league packs or whatever. Sure, sure. Um, or something like that. Because I feel like this just like hurts local game stores. You know what I'm saying? I don't know. I feel like these cards, like these cards are like, especially well, I guess like looking at it from the competitive side of things, like these are cards that competitive players want certain arts of with the, the pro stamp promo. Some people really like the stamp promos. So the go being able to go to your game store and sell it to your game store or buy it from your game store. You just can't do that anymore. That's completely gone, which just feels, it just feels really weird to remove that when that in that pro that, that whole process and ecosystem of the transition uh, or the, uh, the trading of the freaking league promo cards, like is not harmful at all. So I don't know. That feels really weird to like, just cut that out entirely because of this other problem. Maybe it's not as big of a deal as I think it is. If anyone out there owns a game store, let me know of like not being able to sell these league promos anymore because you want to keep your Pokemon League around. Is that going to be that big of a deal? Um, I'm not sure. It's just to me looking at it because I just like know what Pokemon players like and Pokemon players like the league promo cards, right? So it's like... Yeah, I mean, um, also too, it does mention staff promos in now? here. Staff promos. The, does that mean just like the pre-release promos that get sent to them? Or it's probably would all that staff include promos. like the regional promos that yeah, probably. go out, you know? 
I would assume. I, I feel like they would. So, like, are they not going to be able to, like, you know, usually people pick up their swag from a regionals and a lot of people, you know, keep it and hold on to it. But there's a lot of people who sell that stuff right away to try to recoup a little bit of money, go to the vendor, sell their mat, sell their promo. Are they not able to sell that promo anymore? Well, well, maybe it isn't those actually selling league stamped promos. Divided by playbook on for league participation. It says for league participation. So maybe they are. It is just limited to the league stuff. So you might still be able yeah. to do it that. It does seem like this is yeah. really centering around Pokemon league related things. And like pre-release stuff as well. It sounds like yeah. as well. They want people to stop getting rid of the pre-release stuff until they've, you know, the pre-releases are done. And then at that point, it's okay. Um, Yeah, for me, it just feels weird. I guess that's like, oh, that's my only take on it. That one, it just feels weird. Um, But I don't know how much of like a how much you're cutting into profits, the potential profits from like local game stores at all with that. Maybe it's not that big of a deal. And most local game stores will be okay with just like, you know, biting the, uh, biting the bullet on that one just to keep their league around. Well, there was a tournament this past weekend over in Germany. You know, we're talking here with the league promos about people playing the game. Let's talk about people who are actually competing at the highest level playing the game. And that was that tournament this weekend. It was won by Christian Fontenot playing something that has been a little bit under the radar. You know, people have kind of known about it here and there. Uh, Brennan Cameron got top eight at LAIC with a version of this deck, but this is just a straight Sablezard deck that Christian was able to get the win with. Yeah, so just like the... And I guess it is like geared towards... A little bit more towards being able to deal with Iron Hands. You know, you got the double Turbo, the double Raihan. Yep. Uh, the one of Mirage Gate. So you need, like, an answer to, like, a turn two Iron Hands. You can't just, like... Well, because if you don't, you just lose. <laughs> so you need, yeah. like, an answer to, like, the turn the turn one, turn two Iron Hands, which is, like, a, more and more decks are going for. You know, maybe Jakey Gearhart's prediction. Maybe no longer a False Prophet. Because a lot of these Lost Zone decks are starting to include the Iron Hands as well, and there's starting to be more and more of them. Um, so you need to have that, those aggressive answers. Um, and then besides that, it's a good old, you know, Sable Iron Cramorant. Uh, <laughs> the squad is back. Um, and then I guess like the new, the other cool addition to the deck is like the counter catchers, um, and the TMD evolution, TMD evolution, really big, like for Charizard and Guardian, stuff like that. Uh, and counter catchers are really good to, you know, close out the games with the radiant Charizard at the end of the game. Your opponent goes down to one, you have two counter catcher, a two prizer, uh, but then also like to be able to like fall behind and then, like pick off your opponent's Jirachi and stuff like that up against like Charizard. Yeah. And uh, gives you counter catcher Roxanne Sableye plays as well. Yep. Yeah. You get that as well. So you can like <clears throat> do some late game cheese kind of what like lost Tina tries to do sometimes. Yeah. Counter catcher Roxanne combo. Uh, so yeah, I mean, this is, like, I feel like Sablezard is one of those decks that was kind of being talked about, uh, like going into the format was being talked about. And it was like the most played way that people were playing lost yeah. zone stuff initially. Um, and then it kind of died off uh, quite a bit. I guess Lawson kind of in general like died off as the first couple majors started rolling around uh, with LAIC and stuff like that. There wasn't that much Lawson stuff. Saw Brennan get top out there with the, a Sable Zard with the Roaring Moon. And then it kind of like was popping up here and there, but nothing too big. Tord had the big finish with Gdansk with the, the Lost Pile, I think is what we're going to be calling it moving forward now. Lost <laughs> Pile. Arceus isn't here to take We're the retiring pile. Arc Pile, and now it's yeah. just Lost Pile. <laughs> The the lost pile and yeah now we got the back over to some sables are there was a lost pile in top cut as well um of this one and yeah the sables are with it's not like I mean the deck still like seems like it's pretty strong I'm not sold on it um personally yet as like gonna be like a, maybe a mainstay in the in the format a deck like you're gonna constantly want to try and respect uh, but I think a lot of people do like sables art I think people do like sables art um 
So if it is kind of proves to be like a pretty consistent powerhouse uh, or pretty consistently powerful deck, then I think we'll see it be pretty popular. Actually, we'll start to see it's grow in popularity. Yeah, if we look at Christian's matchups as well from the tournament, he played a lot of Tina in day one, especially played against three lost Tina, a couple more in day two as well. And then other than that, you know, the variety of all the other decks, a couple Charizards in here, just a couple Maridon, a couple Urshifu was able to get a win against one in round one. That has to be probably the worst matchup for the deck, right, is Urshifu? I'd have to imagine... Um, I guess TMD Evolution can change some stuff up because you can just de-evolve the VMAXs to like yeah. directly punch a bunch of them. But it seems like it's probably pretty tough. Yeah, I can't imagine you're having a good time against the, uh, the Rapid Strike. That's got to be tough. Yeah. And then a couple of Mews, which is probably one of your best matchups, honestly. Yeah, because it does have, have any, the... Like, techs. Yeah, I think both of those Mews were double turbo Mews. Um, yeah. and uh, did have the Spirit Tomb with two Super Rods and two Clara. So just in case they got the boss, like that's like Mew's game plan against Spirit Tomb is as Double Turbo Mew, go first, set up your hand to get turned to boss on the Spirit Tomb, get it. Pray that they, they don't open yeah. Spirit Tomb as well. <laughs> yeah, hope they don't open Spirit Tomb and then hope they can't recover it. And then like, and that was like why Double Turbo Mew up against like Rapid Strike last format actually wasn't a terrible matchup because they played the one Spirit Tomb and did people even play Clara the previous one? People had to play, but it was just like one Clara. So like recovering it was not super easy to do. So that was like your win condition. Now it's a little bit harder though, because a lot of the decks like the, the Urshifu decks or the Rapture decks are playing like two Clara and the Spirit Tomb and stuff like that. And this one has, like I said, two Super Odd, two Clara. So the Spirit Tomb's coming back and lots of ways to find it with like the Fog Crystals and stuff. Let's look at just this top eight as a whole. Uh, I mean, I think one of the big standouts has to be, you know, we're talking about it a little bit right now already, just a pair of Urshifu here in top eight from Theo and yeah. I'm actually curious as to what they actually lost to. I wonder what the, I actually don't know what the top eight bracket looked like fully. Um, but yeah, rapid oh, elimination. Yeah, and the lists are a little bit different. They're pretty similar. Both research builds. Um, uh, what was I gonna say Gino had the no no Irida three research. Um, this looks very similar to actually the the list that Rahul played um, at Gdansk, and then Theo's build <clears throat> two Irida two research. So a little bit slower, I guess, but like. You can kind of pick out what you want. No squawk ability, but had the Luminion, and I believe both had the Spirit Tomb. So Double Turbo Mew was well teched for uh, overall, definitely. Yeah, the Team Devolution in here also giving this deck yeah, a lot of legs. Um, yeah, really big against Gardvor and specifically Charizard. That's like how you're just yeah. like destroying Charizard. Pretty right much now. immediately after LAIC, I think people kind of collectively recognized, okay, Urshifu seems pretty good. We saw it do pretty good at the two tournaments right back to back. After LAIC... Yep. Brisbane and uh, uh, what was it? The dance Poland regionals, yeah, Gdansk, and then yeah. yeah, here it just breaks through into the the top eight. Um, was there the, was there the bracket up there on Pokestats Live? Did you no. pull it up first? No bracket. No bracket. It doesn't look like the pairings got updated after top eight, <laughs> like oh, on the Arcanine pairings. Well, well, did lose to Christian? Then we see that right, lost to the mm -hmm. lost pile. Yeah. Okay. okay yeah. Yeah. And speaking of which, the lost pile, yeah. You said it just about perfectly. <laughs> it's got a lot. There's a lot of stuff in here, but then you also look at it as a lost one deck, and you're like, you can't attack with Sableye, can't attack with Greninja, but still play a Mirage Gate build. Uh, and the build is like really designed around trying to be like a two prize trade deck, right? Yeah. So up against stuff like Charizard, you can go like Hands, Tropius with the, with the glasses, and then you have like <laughs> Roaring Moon to maybe close it out. Yo, Iron um, Hands with the glasses into a Intellian yeah. VMAX. Oh, into an Intellian VMAX. Yeah, that's four. There we go. Four right there. Just got to get two more. 
Um, so yeah, it's very much like an aggressive two prize trade or four prize trade style deck. Um, kind of not not exactly like I say similar to like what Tord build, but more so like similar to what Tord's build was trying to do from Gdansk, which was just like draw a lot of prize cards really fast. You know, you got the hands, got the moon. Um, <clears throat> and just trying to, and we've seen like now a couple different builds like this pop up. Tord played another lost pile <laughs> that was like 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 it's not exactly like what we just looked at but it's like similar idea right uh you got the hands you got the roaring moon you got a tina uh in there as well you can hit him with the the lost requiem or the or lost impact or star requiem for a big knockout so as a kyogre for some kind of you know some comeback potential specifically probably up against like maride on the kyogre probably shines but does have like the ability to attack with greninja and sableye in this one but i think like similar ideas as to what they're trying to do for sure that's the way it feels um, and both foregoing the, I believe, both foregoing Manaphy. Because yep. if you just get the hand set up, you're not really scared of a Moonlight Shrukin if you can just hands it nope. on the next turn. So they don't have time to Moonlight Shrukin, so you don't really need the Manaphy. And then we, you know, while we're on the topic of Lost Box, we mentioned it in the opening. Tina in top four once again. Alberto, got to break through to the finals at one of these things, right? What was it? Yeah, what was it in? Was it Gdansk? I think he got or... top four in... Uh... Wasn't good dance. Whatever the last one was as well that he did well at. It was Lil. yeah, fifth at Lil. We got top eight in Lil. Yeah. Now the top four. I mean, it's gotta be the finals in the next one, right? The next Let's probably go. I mean, yeah, probably with Lostina as well. There's no reason. <laughs> <laughs> Alberto's gonna Liverpool, I think, is the next one for Europe. So uh, Alberto will be in the finals of Liverpool. So just make sure if you play a deck and you want to win the tournament, you have to be able to ha- try and have a good Lostina matchup, but it's not unfavorable. Liverpool's going to be finals. massive, by the way. They already had registration and stuff for it, and it sold out 1,500 TCG Masters, which is going to be the largest regionals ever in Europe. I, w- I just wonder, I mentioned this on it my stream earlier, It basically sold out too. instantly as well, by the way. Yeah, I mentioned this on my stream. Like, it, it kind of sucks for everywhere besides North America because they can't really, like, show how big the community has gotten over in Europe, over in Latin America, or even in Australia because they theirs have sold out instantly, too, and they're capping at 400 off the rip. Like, fast cap to 400 at Melbourne. Like, they capped at 400, like, instantly. Yeah. So they can't really show how big the community has grown in these other regions because the caps are just so small. And Latin America, Latin America's had one only has one regional on the schedule and they capped at 400 instantly for yep. Curitiba. And I, I I think they could easily get How like has there not been another Latin America region? <laughs> I don't know. At least <laughs> they had one in September. Like, We're in December, nothing, bro. It's about nothing to be on the schedule. Yeah, there's nothing on the schedule for Latin America. Um, but yeah, it's actually these other regions that they really can't show how big it, Pokemon's gotten in their region. North America, we we have been able to express it. You know, our tournaments aren't really capping that fast. Besides Knoxville, you have plenty of time to register. So we're really we're, we're showing like you know about 2,400 is like what we're pushing towards right now in North America. Uh, but yeah, Europe, Latin America, Australia can't really show well, you know how big the games have gone over there um, because yeah, the caps they cap instantly. The tournaments cap instantly. So it's like how many more people could there be? We we kind of can't tell. We did see Maridon make it all the way to the finals once again. I think it was. I'm going to pull it up. JW tweeted something like. Uh, uh, How many times Maridon's made it to the finals of major tournaments so far this year? It's like 50 Yeah, it, No, he said. Uh, hang on, I'm pulling it up. It's becoming weird for Maridon to not be in the finals of a major tournament. <laughs> <laughs> JW, massive Maridon fan. <laughs> sure. This is like pretty Uh, pretty um, normal list, right? Nothing crazy in this one. Back to the back to the judges. I think is the biggest. Okay, yeah, sure. Here, like Juho 
wasn't playing the judges. No, no, Arv yeah, I'm so glad to see the Nora. I think Arvin sucks in the deck, to be honest. The more I played with that, I was like, I wish this card was any other draw supporter at any other point in the game. So uh, I like to see the no Arvin personally. But yeah, back to the, the judges. Still going the path build. Double Each Iron Hands. Vacuum. Yeah, double hands. Um, so it has the option of that second hands attack. Um, I think the biggest thing for that is just like not pricing it more so than anything, right? Because yeah, so I feel like it is. Yeah, against Lost Zone decks. And I think it's becoming more important with Lost Zone getting more popular, right? It's important to yeah. not prize your hands. If you if you go back to just being a two-prize deck against Lost Box, you're losing. So it's like really supremely important hands. against Gardevoir as well. It's like the only way you beat Gar like I think Maradon actually, I think we said this last week, it has a good Gardevoir matchup right now. But it yeah, yeah. is based solid. around you attacking with Iron Hands. So if like you're only playing one and it's not there, you're just not gonna have a good time against Gardevoir. Yeah, you're not like a four-path build anymore where you can kind of like like yeah. try and drain them of their resources and kind of catch them with a path in the mid late game where they don't where they whiff an attack and that's kind of your win condition you're, you're you still have that you still got the two path in there but you really just want to get turn two hands or turn one hands going second and then kind of just snowball the lead too fast for them to keep up which is which is what the deck can do in that matchup for sure as well it definitely has that uh uh definitely is possible so yeah i mean Maradon, i think is really i thought about it earlier um when i was doing a, a tier list on my stream and kind of just talking about decks and stuff and i was like just thinking about Maradon's matchups, it is just overall just like pretty solid in the current format. Like, yeah, you're I mean, just not being a, having a bad Charizard matchup is really the the worst thing for it. Yeah, yeah, you're Charizard fine like, against everything else. Yeah, and Charizard had like a, a tough times in terms of conversion rate at this one. It was the most popular deck in day one at seventeen percent, and then it went down to ten percent in day two. I think so. Um, it was that's definitely a good sign for Maradon going into the day two. Charizard did still. Did pretty well overall. There was only one in top eight, and it was like a lost box build. But I guess we could go to that next and take a look at that. Yeah, the only Charizard in top eight, besides the Radiant Charizard from Christian, was a uh, was a lost zone Charizard. This is a deck that I haven't really messed around with too much. I kind of like the idea of it because you get to kind of play Charizard. Usually plays from behind, and you, and that's not a bad thing. But this kind of build a Charizard, you kind of get to play on tempo, right? You go second. I mean, there's two crams in here, so I hope we're attacking with turn one cram pretty consistently. So <laughs> go second, attack with the cram. Or if you go first, turn two, attack with cram. If you can't get to the candy zard or don't want to candy the zard yet. Uh, and you have like different options for KOs throughout the game to like clean up and uh, make it easier on your prize trade, like through the Greninja and the Sableye as well. Yeah, the water energies in here is crazy. Like I can get behind the Sableye, but... <laughs> two Mirage Gate, two water? Yeah, oh, that's man. that's the the kind of most questionable thing to me, I feel like, that stands out in this list. I mean... That Lost City, though, we can You lost probably city. just catch... Like, people probably don't expect you to... Yeah. Like, in game one, people are not going to put Manaphy down against this deck, right? Like, um, nobody's been playing this like this. No, there has the, the the player who got top eight first with a build like this, like in it might have been Barcelona. I don't know, remember what tournament was. They, well, they were one they had of the these waters. got top eight in Brisbane, right? And I don't remember that one having. No, no, well, Brisbane was B barrel with crams in. Uh, yeah, it wasn't yeah, like yeah. that. It wasn't lost zone, but there okay. was a lost zone Zard back when Zard first came out. The first tournament after Zard came out, like Barcelona or something. Okay. It might have been Barcelona. Yeah, there was the one of them was in top eight. Yeah, there it is. And this one and they, had the, the they had the okay. yeah, they had the two waters. Um, <clears throat> so. So yeah, I mean, as, as people have been doing it, I mean, more threats is better. It's just like, is it is the trade-off of having it? Because like, you don't really need to play Mirage Gate unless you're going to play Water Energy, right? So is it worth it to include two Water Energy and two Mirage Gate to have the threat of the Greninja versus just being a more consistent Charizard deck? Um, so far, it's been working out. So like, maybe it is. Like, I mean, you force your opponent to bench the Manaphy, but even then, you got Sableye Lost City. You can Lost Zone their Manaphy. And then the Greninja has a free reign over their board, right? So, like, you can eventually like, build up to that, potentially. 
And then I think one of the other big standouts here in day two is Luigi, who got to ninth place with the Roaring Moon. Roaring Moon was the weekend that the set came out, the most popular deck online. Everyone was rocking out with Roaring yeah. Moon. <laughs> it was People insane. were expecting it to be pretty popular at LAIC, and it was popular, but it just wasn't. I don't think as popular as people thought it would be. And it also didn't do super well at LAIC no. kind of fell off the radar pretty hard for a lot of people. People started the way you see roaring moon now is as a tech in lost box decks. That's been <laughs> yeah. just about it, but just frenzy gouging hey, is really good. It's still really powerful. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, it's, and it was like, I think it was 10th place at uh, Gdansk as well. So it's just mm. like right there. And I'm not still sold, even if it's getting this close. But, like, you look under, it's like, okay, Roaring Moon. Like, I'm looking at Gdansk right now. Roaring Moon at 10. And then the next Roaring Moon is all the way down at 58. Um, and then you go to the, uh, you go to, what is it? The Stuttgart, Stuttgart. And we're looking at Roaring Moon at 9th. And then how far do we have to scroll until we get the next Roaring <laughs> Moon? Is there Moon? another one? That's a good question. Besides the Lost Zone one. Actually, it might not first. be. Okay. <laughs> so, like. It's like yeah, you. It's not like the deck is like there were only two in day two. Yeah, the it's not like the ones that make day two are thriving. You know, top thirty two is the worst kind of like worst play. Like top thirty two are better. It's like one gets up there to like nine ten. Oh, the deck look at isn't these bad. matchups. Um, and the Urshifu matchup is really good. <laughs> yeah. Oh <laughs> the man, the Urshifu matchup is really good. Wait, there was only see. two Roaring Moons in day two, and they played each other in round ten. <laughs> That's rough. I mean, that was like the moment. I was like, go on, brother. You've got this. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Take the wheel. Yeah. Lost a winning in there. Carry the torch. Carry the torch. Yeah, and got, yeah, and got to the winning and got to the winning in um, and lost to the lost zone deck. Um, so yeah, Roaring Moon, I, yeah, I think the deck is just too linear. That's why I think like if you're going to play it, you should at least include some water energies, especially if you already have energy switches in there. You know, get the water energy in there. Have that possible though. The Moonlight Shrukin can get some cheesy turn one, turn two plays with it, or your opponent just doesn't put Manaphy down against you, whatever, or they have to go get Manaphy. They can work a little harder. Um, but even with all that, I think the power level of the deck just comes up really short against the uh, the top decks in the format. The Guardi, the Zard specifically, and then even the Maridon matchup is probably like 50-50, I would have to guess. Yeah, I think a slight um, edge does go to the... Moon? Uh, the Moon, but... Um... I, just, I think, yeah, the deck just isn't... We're just not in a thankfully almost it's not in like a, a, a beat stick two prize meta like it's it's yeah. not a, it can't thrive in this meta I feel like and it's, it'll I don't know if it'll like rotation will solve that for the moon but it'll always be there to potentially you know have it's come up but I don't think it's right now despite we seeing these like higher placings and I even said on my stream today like if Roy Moon gets top eight at San Antonio I'm not gonna be surprised but I'm still gonna put it in D tier you know on my next tier list so. And then hanging around here in the top 16, we do have one Snorlax. So someone was able to make it through. If you look at a lot of these top eight lists, you know, uh, like, you know, this Lost Zone deck, we see a mini or in here. Like people were, I think, like semi prepared for um, Snorlax. I think it does get yeah. collateraled a little bit by people just kind of naturally putting Spirit Tomb in their deck for Snorlax, but also for Mew, you know, being in <laughs> Europe, you know, Mew has been really popular. Spirit Tomb is good there. Really good. Yeah, I like the Snorlax still too. Yeah, like the Maradon decks are generally they're fine against control. I don't think it's like a good or it's probably that one's maybe just a close matchup. Yeah, I um, think. And then like Sable's Art, with Spirit Tomb sounds like a bad time for for Snorlax as well. So, um, yeah, I think there's just and then yeah, some people were were rocking the mini or right. They're like, I just really don't want to lose to control. I mean, even and then Lost Tina's a tough one as well, right? Lost Tina is also a tough matchup generally yeah. for control. Um, so, yeah. yeah, not good. 
Yeah, so it just kind of has a tough time in the current meta. Um, and plus, people are like, I think one thing with control as well is like playing against control is just so different. The average player just plays very poorly into control most of the time. But now yeah. it's been a deck for a little while. People kind of are understanding their lines with the with their deck against it. Um, you know, the average player is going to give the control players a lot harder time than they were at like LAIC or something like that. It just takes some time. And then our best finishing Gardevoir player was Brian DeVries here at 15th in the top 16. Rocking the same list he played at Gdansk, top 32. You know, was pretty happy with that result. Must have felt like the deck was good and just rolled the same 60. Nothing to change. Yeah, yeah. Going the cape over the station. That's like the biggest thing that I like pick out on the Gardevoir decks is like... Caperization, um, yeah. Cape, and then I feel like um, <laughs> you're not playing Palpad. You've played like two games with Gardevoir, so... If you played, yeah, if you're playing Palpad still, I feel like you've just played no Garver in this management. Because every time, like, the Palpad is so bad. So when I see no Palpad, I'm like, all right, that's on track. Um, yeah. But, but yeah, Guard 4, I guess, is like kind of the biggest uh, standout here of not failures, but I guess like lackluster performance. Yeah, yeah. Lackluster performance, right? Because um, one of the most popular decks, it had the best conversion rate. Actually, it's conversion rate, or it was the most popular deck in day two by a lot, I think. Conversion rate was fine. I don't have day two here. Um, I think it was like it was the most popular deck in day two. I'm almost positive. Um, Let me see if I can find sure. it real quick. Most popular deck in day two by by a decent amount. I think decent conversion rate as well. Uh, but yeah, did not did not really do that great. I mean, sixteen is still decent. But like I said, like like I said, like Roaring Moon being ninth. You know, no one's like losing their mind that Roaring Moon's all of a sudden like a top-tier deck. Gardevoir is definitely uh, respected as a top-tier deck, but I think the meta's gotten a lot worse for it as well, though, right? Like, the Rapid Strike's a tough matchup, especially now like at the TMD Evolution. And it feels like everyone has something in their deck still for Gardevoir. The Mew's got the box. Like, people are playing double box of Disaster and Mew. Um, yeah. So, like, the Mew's got the box of Disaster. Rapid Strike's got TM Devo. Lost Box decks are starting to make a comeback as well. Um, oh, I thought it was I thought it was Gardevoir. What stats did I see? So it was Tina. Tina was the Tina. number one. Yeah. It was the number one. Um, yeah, I don't know what stats. I think I looked at the Pokestats live. I looked at the Pokestats live data, I think, and I had Gardevoir at one, Charizard at 10. Mm, um, yeah, that's probably what it is. Yeah, I wonder. Let's we'll see if it's updated. I'll see if it's any different. So you go to. It probably, yeah, because. I think you still they see only, This go. only still goes based off what's reported. No, no, but yeah, click on the day one and go the day two conversion. Yeah, so day two, it does have Gardevoir as most popular. Oh, oh no, they're the same no, wait, percentage. Click on the. Okay, hey, but yeah, go there back to the Pokestats live. What I what I must have been looking at was the day two conversion. That's the stats no, no, because on day two they do have it. Gardevoir one. Oh yeah, you are right. Yeah, that is what I saw then. Day two conversion. Day two though. conversion was Tina. Yeah, Tina. Tina lost box and Intellion or Shifu. For some reason I thought Zard had a worse time overall. But this is still this is like just the data from users, right? Like this. Yeah, is yeah. So I don't know submitting. how much. Yeah, I don't know how different it is. Like. From um, using the official data is probably more. I would assume would be more accurate, right? I think that'd be a good. Yeah. Assumption. So this has like Gardevoir and Tina tied, but there's one more Tina here. So probably what that is is just <laughs> like one person whose deck didn't get reported, who like is lower in day two. Yeah. Um, they were playing Gear Tina. Is probably what it is. Yeah, definitely, definitely. But yeah, uh, we did have some predictions that we made going into this event, so we can recap them right now. We predicted what we thought the most popular deck was going to be day one. Azul predicted Gardevoir. I predicted Maridon. We were both wrong, but yeah. I was a lot closer. Yeah, I was pretty confident, bro. I was like... You but... were very confident. 
Yeah, I just like didn't expect them to ride on train to keep chugging along. And I definitely did not expect Charizard to be 17% after it was, what was in Gdansk, 16% or something? Yeah, it just kept yeah. on. Yeah. Yeah. So Charizard, I expected to come down a little bit for sure. I thought it was just kind of on one of those like, it was like kind of random highs where it was just like, it's a good deck. It being the first deck isn't most po- isn't a surprise, but it's a little bit, probably a little bit too high, too much higher than it should be. And yeah, the Maridon thing, I expected to come way down. But to be honest, the way the meta is shifting, it's like shifting into decks that are good against Gardevoir and Charizard. Stuff like the Rapid Strike, right? And I actually yeah. think like Maridon's matchup against Rapid Strike has gotten a lot better because everyone has Mew in their list now. You always have the Mew. You have double turbo to go with the Mew a lot of the time as well, um, which is good to like copy G-Max Rapid Flow and stuff. And then you also can hands for three on like turn one or turn two onto like an Inteleon V. So I feel like the matchup definitely changed. It got better for Maridon. Um, is it favorable? I don't know. Um, but like it was, it got better. It didn't get worse for sure. Um, so um, yeah, I think maybe like the made the meta shifting is just getting worse for worse for those two decks. And you know, people's testing kind of was leading them to like see that, and they're like, okay, well, why would I play Gardevoir? You know, at this point, we still had a lot of really good players playing Gardevoir, of course. Um, I wouldn't even be surprised like results the like probably guard war is the deck that was played by the most the players with the most results overall or something like that that wouldn't surprise me at all um like i said brian devise was still playing it james cox was still playing it so um very good players still choosing to play it but didn't have a great tournament run um and yeah a lot of a lot of people are kind of putting it down right now it feels like and i feel like the meta is not going to shift any more than uh, too much away from what it currently is so i feel like guard numbers are probably going to stay down as well overall I, yeah, I, mean, I was I was like pretty confident in my prediction for Garver to be the most popular deck, but not even. Close. I knew that Maridon would stay true. <laughs> yeah, yeah Maridon. Yeah, the biggest surprise for me overall isn't that Garver was only eleven percent. It's that Maridon was still so popular. It's like probably the biggest surprise to me overall. But yeah, I think it is. But like, well, like going into earlier, San Antonio, buddy, I think uh, we might yeah. need to keep that in mind. Yeah, it definitely is a deck you. I think you want to be able to beat now for like for sure. Yeah. It's like you got to beat it for sure. Like. It's become that deck. I didn't think it would stick around as that deck, but it has become one of those decks. You got to make sure you can beat the the Charizard. And that kind of puts, it almost feels like Guardian's that deck where you maybe don't even need to be Guardian anymore. Like, it'd be good if you do, but it feels less important now in the meta. Our next prediction was over under 1.5 Mew in top eight. Azul took the under, I took the over, and it was just one single copy of Mew. We were close. There were several winning ends that just didn't go Mew's way, but... Yeah, Mew uh, with just one copy in the top eight. And then our last prediction was highest placing Snorlax. And as we'll said, top four. You thought Snorlax was still going to have a good showing, buddy. <laughs> well, what was my prediction last week? It was like Cremasoli in top four with Snorlax losing to... Oh, yeah, after, yeah, yeah. Losing yeah. to Alberto with Tina or something. Or yeah. Anything like. Um, but yeah, uh, not quite. Yeah, there was one of the top 16. You got that one right. And you uh, did yeah, get Alberto in the top cut. I did, yeah. That I did. I did what I could. I did what I could, you know. I but I, I did could. accurately put Snorlax exactly in the, the top, top sixteen, right, yeah. <laughs> right where, right where it ended up. Yeah, it did feel pretty. The meta, meta seemed like not great for Snorlax overall. Lost Tina, kind of making it come up. Muse were there. Lost the. I, mean, I think the biggest thing is just like Lost and stuff in general getting more popular because that's like the one thing Snorlax doesn't want to see. Tina's lost boxes, lost piles. Doesn't matter what it is. Lost anything. It's trying still to avoid amount of like Entei in day two as well. Like that's not a great matchup for Snorlax. Yeah, Boring Moon. There's a couple, and then some of these Charizards. I'm sure had the had the the mini or right. I'm sure some people had brought it. Yeah, there it is. The uh, 13th place list. Patrick with the uh, has the mini or in the Charizard. Mini or and Turo. Mini or and Turo. So even if they had the Mawile, the Mawile to cheese the mini or the Turo comes right back, picks the mini or up, knock the (laughs) knock the Mawile out with the Charizard, lost Cydia probably, and then go back to the mini or. 
close out the game from there. Yeah, there was no Mawile in the Snorlax. Yeah, there was no one. Yeah, no one was playing the Mawile. I thought there would be. I thought I'd see some tech. The only person who had it was Cremasoli. Cremasoli played Lost City and Double Turbos because still had the Luxray in there and was still playing the Pidgeot. So you could KO the Minior with Pidgeot <laughs> with Lost City and Lost City it. Um, so that was kind of cute. All right. Well, those were our predictions for Stuttgart. We're going to have some predictions here coming up soon for San Antonio this weekend. And we're going to talk about all the decks. But before we do that, we do need to take a moment to thank our sponsor of the podcast, Dragon Shield. Of course, Dragon Shield makes some of the best card gaming and tabletop gaming products. We love them for their sleeves. Azul also loves to rock the Dragon Shield deck box as well because it just is one solid thing that fits his dice case and everything. He loves yeah. it. And, uh, and uh, yeah, we love the sleeves for sure. You got your color picked out for this weekend as well. Yeah. Um, actually I think what I've been doing, dude, I've been trying to be like super efficient with my packing stuff. I hate like unpacking and packing stuff. I've already got some sleeves. I don't know what color of sleeves I have, but they're already in my suitcase ready to go. Um, cause like when I unpack, I just grab a couple more things of sleeves and put them in the suitcase to just be that much further ahead of, of packing and not forgetting stuff. So Are I don't you know. A list guy as well. No, I don't make a list, but I come up with like um just like in general in life, I mean. You mean a list, like making like a, a list like of stuff? to to do today and write it out, you know. No. Like, these are things I need to do this week and like write them out. No, not really. But I try and come up with like methods and patterns for like everything to be as efficient as possible in life. Like little things like that, like mm -hmm. when I unpack my suitcase, I put my sleeves in my suitcase for my next trip and just get that ahead. I try and be as efficient as I possibly can. I come up with like, yeah, methods or patterns and uh, procedures and stuff like that to just be efficient. But no, I don't like do the, the listening. Although sometimes I wish I did because I forget things all the time that I wish I had written <laughs> down. I actually have a whiteboard up next to me now. Um, and I like, you know, one of the big things I write down on there is just like decks I'm going to play on stream and stuff like that. Um, but then I also have a little bit of a, of a to do thing on the top of it where I do write down some stuff when I remember it to like remember to do it. But not generally. No, I don't have a list. Well, you know, this is supposed to be our sponsor segment. We've spent this whole time talking about <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> packing habits. Big shout out to Dragon Shield, as always, for sponsoring the podcast. Azul will be as surprised as everyone else when we see what color sleeves he's rocking this week. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know what's in there. There's something in there. So there's a couple packs in my suitcase for sure. Um, but yeah, check them out, dragonshield.com. Um, you know, as always, you can find them literally everywhere else, local game stores, Walmart, you name it. They are there link in our description as well that you can click now that is an affiliate link so if you want to support us directly you can purchase stuff on their web shop online through our affiliate link and with that being said we can move on to guess that flavor text it's azul's turn this week azul why don't you break it down for us yeah so we got guess that flavor text this week i'll be picking a card for chip to try and guess by reading the flavor text on the card and then chip has to try and guess which pokemon that card and flavor text Longs to if you get it right without using any lifelines, you get four points for each lifeline you use. You lose a point. The lifelines are what set the card is from, what stage the card is, and read an attack name. You are flew through that. Are we still at the same point <laughs> yep. numbers now? Yep. So it's what? 10 to 16. So I've got a chance to jump ahead even further here. Yeah. <clears throat> are you ready? I'm still upset about Meryl, by the way. <laughs> yeah, I'm ready. Let's get it. Uh, when it bites with its massive and powerful jaws, it shakes its head and savagely tears its victim up. Jeez. Okay. When I read that too, I was like, "Jeez, <laughs> that <laughs> is like, brutal." I know. Uh, so my first thought is Sharpedo. It's a children's card game, bro. Sharpedo, big jaws, definitely kind of a savage Pokemon as well. 
Um, but it doesn't have to be like a shark or something like that. Uh, it could be, yeah, I mean, I'm thinking like maybe like crocodile, not crocodile. Yeah, crocodile is the big one, right? Crocorock's the middle one. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. For a second, I thought, I thought I was like, yeah. Could be crocodile, maybe. Um, well, now I know it's not crocodile, though, because you were having to think <laughs> about it. So <laughs> I should have just like not even thought about mm-hmm. it. Um, yeah, I guess let me start with what set the card is from. Let's see if this helps me some. It is from Dragon Majesty. Dragon Majesty. Okay. That helps me a lot. That's like a 20 card set. Did you know that? Uh, not until I read the set right now. Yeah. I, I didn't read what set it was from until. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, it's all dragons as well. So, I mean, it's like probably Haxorus or um, Garchomp. I guess Chomp, Garchomp, you know. You don't really think of Garchomp as like biting, though. Um, but it could be that there's also like that secret rare Rayquaza in the set, Curum, uh, Latios, Latias. I don't think it's either of those. I don't think it's Dragonite or Dratini or any of those. Salamence, I wouldn't think as well. I'm probably leaning towards Haxorus or Garchomp. Actually, is Haxorus even in that set? I think there is a Haxorus in that set. It's uh, it's got to be either Haxorus or Garchomp. Um, and I don't know that reading the attack name will help me narrow that down. Because you're probably going to give me some like vanilla attack, I guess. Classic dragon attack. Yeah, exactly. I think I'm going to go. Uh, it's one of those two. Hexers or Garchomp. I don't know. Do I have a coin? <laughs> your phone oh i do have a coin handy okay here we go (laughs) you guys aren't gonna be able to see it heads is garchomp tails is haxorus all right all right go for it chip it's heads let's go with the garchomp let's hear it it is not garchomp do you want i'll give you the other two flavor tags wait are you ready i don't even think there's a garchomp in that set now okay but hang on now i think i'm tripping dude hold on you all right the last two flavor texts are it is a stage two and its attack is Riptide. Riptide? Yeah. Do you still think it's Haxorus? I don't know. <laughs> All right, is well, it Salamence? You... No, it is not Salamence. It is Feraligator. In Dragon's Majesty? I mean, that's what it says. Unless it's oh, up. <laughs> bro, no! What? I was thinking Dragon Vault. Oh no! <laughs> I was thinking of the wrong set. You've outdone yourself this time, Chip. Oh, You've outdone yourself. You overthought dude. it. Should have just asked for the attack name. I was honestly tunneled in. Oh, I assumed you knew the right set. To be honest, I was like, all right, he probably knows the right set. I didn't know the right set. That uh, is cringe, Chip. Dude, Riptide should have given it away, too. This is, like, iconic, this card. You think you would have gotten it if you had asked for I mean, confirmed probably. stage 2? If, if you just remembered it was a, the different set, would you have Yeah, it? yeah. If I had remembered the, the... If I had not thought this set was a different set, I would have gotten it 100%. Because this attack, Riptide, is the exact same as this one which is the iconic for alligator. Like this was like the first BDIF was this card. You played yeah. this deck when we played 2001 recently. 
Oh, did I? Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I did play one. Dude, that format is cringe. You were having fun, bro. Flipping your coins, yeah, baby roll. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's kind of wild. The focus bands. Yeah, the focus band. Oh, dude, I'm so annoyed. I definitely. <laughs> I just thought it was Dragon's Majesty, dude. All right, Chip. Well, you might get them next time, but we're going to have or to no, move. Dragon Vault. Dragon Vault. <laughs> we're going to have to move on. Got it. San Antonio Regionals this weekend. Largest... Also, for what it's worth, there's actually not a Garchomp in, in Dragon Vault. So okay. I was wrong anyway. All right, you're right eventually. Um, it will be the largest regional of all time until probably another one later this year. Probably like Orlando, maybe or something like that would could definitely break it depending on how much maybe Charlotte space there is. Yeah, Charlotte's close actually. I think I don't know how close. I can actually look that up. Charlotte might yeah, be Charlotte ahead. Charlotte already happened. How did that? Yeah, it's close. It's actually no. Charlotte is bigger right now. It's twenty five, almost twenty six versus twenty four hundred. So yeah, Charlotte's already bigger. Um, but there's potential to have one even bigger later in the year. So biggest one as of right now. Also, spots are still open for Charlotte. Yeah, yeah. I just so tried to go register, and you can register. Yeah. So if you haven't registered yet, go do it. Um, but yeah. So we just happened. Stukart just went down. Talked about that a little bit. We can move in and talk about some of the decks going into this weekend and uh, expand on our thoughts a little bit more. Uh, we can start with uh, Comfy decks. A couple of them out there, I think. There's room for there's definitely room for probably Tina. I, I mean, is there room for three? Is there room for all of them? Is there room for Tina, Sable's art, and uh, what do we what do we call it? Lost pile. Lost pile. I mean, yeah, there has yeah. to be because all three are going to be played for sure. Well, yeah, but like, it's like, should they be played? Like, is it like one of them will be played just because people like it, but they should be playing the lost Tina or the lost pile? But we'll probably see all yeah, three. Yeah, I think they will all be forward. played, and will they all have their place? Right. Tina is kind of just like, you know, the people who are too afraid to get off the sinking ship, right? They're going down, <laughs> playing the violins as the Titanic is sinking. So Tina is going to have its, you know, devoted captains that go down with the ship. And uh, then we've got Sablezard, which is, you know, as far as Lost Box decks go, Sablezard is like probably the most straightforward as far as like Little what prize. to do. Well, yeah, right? I guess especially like... The Mirage, the like Lost Pile has not, it's not really like a single prize Lost Box deck anymore with maybe some two prizes that you use sometimes. It's like, yeah. it is like a two prize deck now. So I guess like, yeah, I mean, it feels like Sable's Art has, is kind of now like the Lost Box deck or like the single prize Lost Box. So it's like single prize versus multi-prize. Um, and then, yeah, Lost Tina is always going to be around as well on top of that, I think for sure. And I don't and really I know think... if, we, if we really include Charizard X Lost Zone as its own. It's just like a Charizard X deck. It's not really a Lost Zone deck, right? I think Lost... Tina, yeah, yeah, yeah. Charizard EX Lost Zone is like its own deck. It's not a comfy deck. Yeah, but um, I think Lost Pile is kind of like the new cope deck of the format, right? It was <laughs> lost. It was Arc Pile. Now it's Lost Pile. Like Arc Pile is like all the people are like, oh yeah, bro, my matchup against this deck is so good, and this deck is so good, and this deck is so good. But then you look at your list and you're like, dang, I've got twenty cards that are just <laughs> totally dead and like fifty percent of matchups, you know. I feel like there's a, it's like thinned out a little. Every every attacker is like a one of. So I feel well, like there's and, not. And the as reason much I think bad. it is okay is because you can thin through those cards pretty quickly, right? Like that's true. If you're going up against a lot of cards. not Charizard and you course experiment into Tropius, that is the easiest card to get rid of, probably. Right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, probably. Probably. One twenty ain't gonna be. You might. Why would you attack for one twenty with two energies when you could just Cramorant? <laughs> like, do you think we're do you think we're coping with it, or do you think it's people are coping with it, or do you think it's just like? 
I think so that, that I was getting there, right? Like I think okay. it's the new kind of cope deck, but it's a lot better than what arc piles ever were because it's a little more thin down on the lines, right? And also your method of acceleration, the way you power your attackers up is way better in the Lost Zone deck, Mirage Gate, than it is with Arceus decks attacking, you know, using yeah. a turn to power something up. So you can do it instantly with the Lost Zone deck. And then also, like I said, you thin through the stuff you don't need in certain matchups. So I honestly think some Lost Pile deck, I don't know if it's exactly Tord's, I don't know um, if it's exactly Kristen's, something, or Christian's, uh, something like that, though. I think seems pretty good, honestly. And if I wanted to play Comfy in my deck this weekend, I would look to one of those as a starting point. Yeah, I think as well. I think I'd maybe go. I don't know. I kind of like Sables. I don't know. I have to play Sables hard to see how how good I actually feel like the deck is, to be honest, I guess, first. But then, yeah, I guess like the one I'm drawn to more is kind of the one of the piles, you know, pick a pile. Pick <laughs> and, a pile. <laughs> yeah. And I guess like the big standout difference is like, do you go with like Tord with the Kyogre? Um, and now I guess like a Tina. It's evolved to being like a Tina build. Uh, which is cool. Um, and then I also think, let me see. Uh, yeah, Kyogre seems good, honestly. Like, it's good against Maridon. Uh, it's good against Mew. You know, I mean, not like, and we've seen even some decks that have traditionally played Manaphy or cutting Manaphy from their deck, right? Kyogre is probably pretty good against Roaring Moon, you know? Yeah. Pretty good yeah. against Urshifu. Yeah, definitely. So, like, the Kyogre, I think like, the biggest one has to be like the, probably the Maridon matchup for sure. Yeah. Um, but yeah, there's a, a couple different ways to run it. I'm trying to look for like another list that was out there that I can't quite find. Um, but like Adam Hawkins' list is like closer to what like Tord was playing at Gdansk, but like no Kyogre. It's got Hands, uh, Dragonite, and the Roaring Moon. Um, so yeah, there's like a, there's just so many different ways that people are playing this deck. It's like the biggest thing. How do you figure out which one of these is best? Or like, yeah, and then there's like the yeah, bring, also bring your like own the, flavor to it, you know? Like, yeah, yeah. And there's also like the figure Brennan it out build. yourself. Brennan's is like Sable's Zard, but with a moon. Um, but I haven't played with Sa I haven't played with Lost Box in so long. I'm looking at all these Lost Box lists. I'm just like, I don't even know where I'd start to be honest. Personally, um, I played so much Lost Box last year. I haven't touched it at all this season. I've been pretty underwhelmed by just like the the way it looked and kind of its overall performance. But now I'm starting to like pick up pick up steam and be pretty good. I mean, Lost Zone Engine is just so powerful. It's like it'll probably it, it makes sense that it kind of came back around despite like hands and all that stuff releasing. So yeah. I mean, I, I pro probably one of the, and I was saying this, uh, was another thing I said earlier on my stream as well. It's like, there's so much power in playing a deck where your opponent has no idea what the heck is going on, which of is course. what all these piles do, right? Your opponent flips over a comfy now and you're just like, bro, I don't know what I'm playing. Right? Like Christian versus Christian in top four of, of this tournament, uh, Fontenot turn one got <laughs> Jirachi and Manaphy against Christian and Christian can't attack with Greninja and doesn't play Sableye. So yeah. it was like, <laughs> I just saw a comb feed and was like, all right, get the squad. Um, <laughs> and thankfully, it doesn't hurt the bench setup too much. Uh, and uh, Christian doesn't play Roxanne. The Sabres can afford so. to have those guys on the bench. Yeah, 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 sure, exactly. More than but any it, other lost zone deck. Yeah, but it was just funny. It was just like immediately the squad, <laughs> like protect the bench <laughs> and we're good to go. Um, so played around like everything. So that's what I'm saying. Like, yeah, when you're putting flips over a comb feed, it's like, bro, what am I playing around here? No, you don't know. Yeah. You know, could be hands, could be, could be Kyogre, could, be, could be Charizard Sables RDX. Zard. Yeah, could be Charizard X, could be Sables Art with a Roaring Moon. So that's there's a lot of power there, I guess. To just kind of flip over a comfy. I think the one that gets found out the fastest though is Sable's Art. Like you'll more quickly be able to tell, oh, it's just a Sable's Art. Or Tina, especially, I guess. But even yeah, then they play a fog crystal on their opening turn, you're like, Oh yeah, got him. <laughs> got him. But even then, like Tord played the one one Tina. So it's like they, they bench a Tina and you're like, Is it lost Tina? 
Yeah. Um. So yeah, there's a lot of power in just like flipping over Comfy right now. I think and just like making your opponent second guess what they should actually be setting up towards. Um. For sure. Uh, next up is one that remains atop pretty much everyone's tier list. I don't know where to, where you put it necessarily in yours that you did on stream today, but that's Gardevoir. And if we're looking at the results of the last few tournaments, you know, I mean, it was really good at LAIC, dominated LAIC, you could say, even though it didn't win, did really well. I think with uh, Brisbane as well. It did have a good, then, good showing yeah, at Brisbane. Yeah, it did win Brisbane. There was several in top eight, but then we look at uh, Gdansk, none in top eight. We look here... Uh, this past weekend in Stuttgart, none in top eight. You know, yeah. and there was the good players playing it was, at both. Yeah, and the highest placing player is, you know, Brian at 15th, right? So that's like a fine, that's fine. I'm sure Brian was happy to get top 16, but it's not like a strong showing for the deck. Um, I honestly just think the meta is not that great for Guardi. Like, Maridon's unfavorable. The hands are tough. Lost own decks are trying to play hands. Rapid Strike is picking up in popularity. Um, hands is and, really and then, tough for Gardevoir. And then there's like all these other decks, like the Muse are playing double box of disaster. And it's like, I think Guardi is still favored against Mew, even if they have double box of disaster, but like you can only take so many percentage point cuts from your opponents, just having stuff for you. Right. To the point where that it's like, okay, I probably shouldn't play this deck anymore. Right. Sure. And I think current, the current in the currently in the meta, I don't think I would play Gardevoir. Usually it's a deck. I'm like, if people like ask me if they should play Gardevoir, I'm like, if you're going to commit the time to learning how to play Gardevoir and play it well and play it efficiently in uh best out of three in tournament and i'm like okay sure you know you can commit to the guard war but otherwise you shouldn't play it um but now i just based on meta i don't think i would recommend guard war to anyone and that might change before uh, majors uh going into next year but like currently for like san antonio i think guard war is just like not looking like a very good play yeah the and then, like because of that stuff that is bad against guard war becomes like a better play right yeah something Ooh, like charizard time yeah yeah charizard moon stuff like that like um, yeah, maybe this is time for Moon to to take over. To be honest, maybe Moon it is doesn't now. seem too bad. Honestly, I would <laughs> want to know how the Charizard matchup goes. Maybe a little bit more. But and speaking of Charizard, that's the next one we want to talk about. Here was the most popular deck in Gdansk and in Stuttgart. Do you think Moon we see hard. that trend continue for San Antonio? And one other thing as well to note when it comes to San Antonio is this is the first tournament of this format for like the vast majority of players, right? Unless you went there, like hundred one of the 120 something Americans that went to LAIC. There's 120. Uh, oh, LAIC. I thought you were going to say Stuttgart. I was no, 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 LAIC. <laughs> this is the first tournament of the format for so many people. And the meta has like evolved a lot since the beginning yeah. of the format. So people are maybe kind of questioning what they should be doing here. Uh, yeah, so, but yeah I mean, so this is going to be, you know, we might see, maybe we will see some more of like the Roaring Moons and stuff like that because people just haven't had a chance to play it yet at the at a big tournament. Yeah, they haven't had a chance. So then Lost Tina will be more popular because they haven't had a chance to lose with Lost Tina or mm. Roaring Moon yet. So you got <laughs> to take your L's before you move on. <laughs> no, um, well, yeah, that makes me kind of think like Charizard maybe will be the most popular deck. I think Mirada and Charizard will be by far one the two, two most popular decks. See, now I said this, I said that last week, but I think that's that's a pretty good prediction, right? Like one and two um solidly and then i think you'll have stuff like guard maybe lost tina shows up in a little bit bigger numbers yeah um but you have stuff like guard and honestly is there I mean, lost some lost some decks i guess like yeah. if you put if you put sables art and piles together they'll be they'll be right there with guard at the second slot they will but yeah, probably I think, be grouped together yeah zard maridon i think will be the overwhelming majority oh, not, not like overwhelming but they'll be like solidly first and second like it'll be like 15 15 and then the next two decks will be like 10 10 or something percentage wise something like that um 
Um, but yeah, that's I think that seemed pretty. That is a good. That is a good thing to point out, and that's something like I've tried to like think about with my meta predictions a little bit more. Like, do does a region need its own time in the meta to make to, for to fully evolve? Like, it doesn't evolve immediately from where Stuttgart ended. It's like we're still like a week or two behind Stuttgart from where Stuttgart should go as far as the meta. So we have to have our own evolution here in this region, you know? Um, yeah. Cause like you said, all these players haven't played in a tournament again. They've been prepping for the last like two, three weeks with their decks. Right. Um, so they're not, Stuttgart isn't going to have the, as big of an impact on the meta as it would two weeks yeah. from now. Right. Yeah. So yes. Yeah. I think, uh, I think that makes sense. Austin will be the most popular deck by far. Um, going next so yeah maridon so uh when we just talked about it probably gonna be in the top two yeah. um and i think it is i i mean i'm now respecting it as a top deck like i said i thought about its matchup spread earlier today on stream and i was just like yeah it, you don't lose too much you can compete with like pretty much everything even stuff like and you can Iron like, hands tech. gave the deck like an insane boost right yeah yeah Your you two can worst like, matchups for... arguably gardevoir and uh lost box like are now yeah. just fine yeah one thing i think gardevoir is, like, gardevoir is definitely yeah. favorable lost box is probably 50 50 at worst i mean it depends what's in the lost box yeah <laughs> so it depends course. what they have like um the mini or super effective glasses seems kind of interesting right for the yeah. <laughs> the hands response definitely and then the mu matchup um you can tech for it if you really want to we'll be now I, this will be this will be a good tell right will mu will the popularity of of eu mu is it eu popularity mu or is it just general popularity mu and will how popular will mu be actually be at north america because it's a good the both decks are good fusion mu is good dt mu is good i don't rate them super high in the current meta i think they're all right um hitting spirit tombs sucks uh hitting charizards sucks but besides that you're good against most other things i don't actually know how you pair up against some of these lost box decks either right like the sables are the sables are going to run the spirit tomb probably pretty consistently um or a drapion and then all the other ones have moons right they all got moons like do we want to be running into all these moons i don't know <clears throat> yeah so mu definitely seems like a question mark yeah dte versus fusion as well it's definitely seems like it's trended more in the dte realm i like right dte now. way more. i would much rather play dte than fusion like if i if i had to pick one to hammers? play no grabbers <laughs> hammers grab what none <laughs> just no hammers, no grabbers? straight mu it's mu Maybe you play I mean, like we, a couple fusion strike energy just to slap them on some Genesex against Spirit Tomb. Maybe Excelgore? I was actually talking about no, that. The, the Excelgore Mew. Clowning the Excelgore Excel Excel so hard. The Excelgore Mew build, I think, is bad because I think your Guardi matchup is terrible. But if Guardi's not that good of a play, does it come around for the Excelgore? Xander so, came up to us and was like, yeah, the Charizard matchup's like 55 45. I think it's better than that, though. Actually, if you're playing the deck, I think it's definitely better than that. I think. Okay. Yeah, I think it's better um, than that. Maybe Handlock Mew has similar. No, Handlock Mew, I think, like, I think with the Excel Gore Mew, your favorite. Handlock Mew, I think, is unfavorite against Charizard, but it's like the second best build against Charizard. I don't know how Hammer Muse does against Charizard, but I assume your goal is Judge Path. If they get out of Judge Path, you hammer away the energies and then you Judge Path. Well, I think again. the Hammers were better against Roaring, Roaring Moon. Yeah, but there's also your Charizard. And then Roaring Moon's not well. that popular anymore. So it's like, do you even, yeah, I think the Hammers are way less good than they were maybe for like LAIC specifically. Yeah, I mean, it's still good against Charizard. I mean, it's funny because it's like four dead cards against Gardevoir. So you're just like... You're just like well, you can always uh, play them. <laughs> yeah, I get... Well, no, what if they don't have any energy? <laughs> just, well, then they're not doing anything, bro. That's fine. Dude, can you imagine you just go first as Mew and you just draw into crushing hammers? They're just... <laughs> <laughs> There's no way. Dude, imagine if you could even like play around your opponent dead drawing because of the crushing hammers. You could be like, well, 
I play crushing hammer. I'm just not gonna attach return. Go ahead. Like, yeah, I, literally. Like, if you're playing Maridon against Mew and you go first, just don't attach turn one if they're playing crushing hammers. I mean, that's genius. I don't know about that. They brick every time and you win you on the next. You should probably turn, still 100%. attach. Nah, they're done. They're done. Yeah, they're cooked. This is bad advice. I feel like if you hit a crushing hammer, well, d- think about it. Just think about it when you're in the moment. It's like okay. I want to leave them with four more dead cards in their in their okay, deck. They could flip tails, and then you can. They could path you, and then you need a way to attack on your next turn. They probably got another one. They M- draws a lot of cards. I got another crushing hammer. They could flip two tails. No, so there's some percentage just... point of like them not drawing one or drawing only one and flipping tails. They didn't get the path because they couldn't draw cards because the crushing hammers were stuck oh in their my hand. Gosh. I honestly didn't even think about that. When you go first with this deck, you're just like, you'd want to like attach an energy for your opponent. If there was ever a card that like took an energy from your opponent's hand and put on one of their Pokemon, you'd play that in here just in case. Acceleration. <laughs> yeah. It would definitely be better if there was like wait and see hammer or something like that in the format, you know? That's the, that's the one right there, the wait and see hammer. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm not super high on Mew. A deck that I am super high on though, um, like I said, Maridon's top deck should be respected, um, but Urshifu. I actually really like Rapid Strike. I think it's really good right now. Um, the TM Devo gets us a lot for. I don't think your Charger matchup was bad before, but it was, I felt like it was close. But now as so, a TM Devo, kind of we're kind of rocking them. I still think Urshifu does seem good, but I think like the best tournament to play it has passed. I think it was like the Suitgirt weekend. Well, hold on, but we just talked about it. The meta, or do we think the meta is like like we're not we're not going from Stuttgart and then that's where the meta goes. We're still a little bit behind here in North America. Well, right? sure. But like for are we so far behind for, the, for, the, for the masses. Yes. But for the best players, no, the best players are going to react to Stuttgart. Yes. I mean, are they going to play Mew? What does Rapid Strike have that bad of a time against? Yeah, just Mew, I guess. And then like, if there was text and stuff like that as well that you could play, yeah. but like this gives people a chance now, like it's more on the map. People have ways to figure out how do I beat this matchup? Right. Sure, sure, sure. But I don't know. Rapid Strike's like a pretty powerful deck into its good matchups or like fine matchups. So um, I, th- I still think it's a pretty good time to be playing it. Like, uh, I guess like one of your harder matchups. Honestly, do you have a hard matchup? Well, Maridon's gotten closer, like I mentioned before, but. Mew and Snorlax. Mew, Mew and Snorlax. Yeah, yeah. But like Snorlax is kind of getting like roaring, taken care of. Roaring Moon, Roaring Moon. Yeah, Roaring Moon. Got to look out for those moons. Um, <laughs> but we already went over that. Like, there's no moon, right? There's just no moon, which makes sense. The deck is like not that good. But. That's what we said. How far behind is North America? I don't think they're far enough behind where Roaring Moon's going to be in like the the top six most popular decks, right? We're not that far behind. Um, so I think I think Rapid Strike's lining up pretty well. I mean, you just have to hope that not that many Mew show up, or just play the Spiritomb, and then you can beat the Double Turbo Mews, and you'll lose to the Fusions. But like Fusion, uh, Fusion, it's really hard to like rationalize playing Fusion Mew when your Charizard matchup is so bad. <laughs> like the DT Mews have ways to win. Like they can, they have a good strategy. Fusion Mew is just like you. You literally have to just hope they brick. <laughs> like yeah, like it's so Six bad. Words and a basic. Yeah, so I don't even know. And like more Charizard players, I think are, are understand that going second is correct. So that's like another thing as well. You like blind pair into a Charizard player as Fusion Mew, and they're going to be choosing second if they win the coin flip as well. So that goes part of your win percentage is, just goes away right there. So. Yeah, I don't know. I'm not. Yeah, Fusion Mew's bad for sure. And Double Turbo Mew, like with the Rapid Strike deck, put the Spirit Tomb in, you're fine. You know, it doesn't make it like a, an auto win like some decks do when they include the Spirit Tomb, but you got a good good starting point at least. Next one is the Snorlax. Is it still worth respecting? For I don't honestly. I was on the Tech Force Snorlax train 
before Stuttgart, but post Stuttgart, seeing what people are playing, um, seeing what we can maybe expect out of decks in general at uh, our tournament coming up. Honestly, I'm kind of shifting away from teching for it because I feel like so many of the decks are just naturally beating it now. All this Lost Zone stuff kind of making a comeback. Yeah, yeah, the Lost Zone being more popular, I think, is kind of the the thing there. Um, Gardevoir being less popular, potentially. I don't know if Gardevoir will probably be just about as popular as it has been, I guess. Uh, but the Charizards, I, I mean, I think most people, if they have been practicing the last couple weeks with like a Charizard deck that has Tarot or Mini or one or both, like they're probably still just going to play that, right? So I think yeah, people are still going to have some text floating around. It doesn't feel and like there will be some more. I, do, still, I, yeah. I don't think like you should go into this weekend. Uh, and say like I have to tech for Snorlax, but I don't think you're at a point where it becomes okay. Snorlax, maybe it is at a point actually where Snorlax is just a good play again because of that, though. You know, I don't know. Like, but I feel like the the bigger hindrance to Snorlax is, is not the meta shifts in a way that yeah, it's just really... kind of the meta is shifting against it more so than oh, people are overly teching for it. That's like that's what I, that's my biggest thing with. Yeah, but I mean, if Charizard's Char, if Charizard is the most popular deck. You're fine against that if they don't have a tech. Yeah. Um, if Maridon is second most popular, you know, that one, you know, is probably slightly unfavored, but I think you can definitely win, right? I'm actually I mean, sure if they ever that. start I mean, a Snorlax, flappy, they just lose on the spot. Like, yeah. I mean, Snorlax players will tell you that they auto win Maridon, I'm sure, but I think it's probably <laughs> like 50 50, probably, or yeah. something like that. Uh, and then Mew, you know, feels like a pretty good matchup as well for Snorlax, right? Urshifu, pretty good matchup for Snorlax. That's true. That's true. The Urshi is also lose to the Tina, lose to the Lost Boxes, lose to you the Sablezards, lose to Roy. Dude, the Roy Moon. <laughs> Gotta stop bringing up Roy. You, lose you do lose that. to Roy Moon. Well, speaking um, of next deck, Roaring Moon. Four percent won't do very well. Eleventh uh, place. That'll be one in eleventh place. Be, <laughs> that's pretty loses, good. You say won't loses, do very well. But like I don't know, like, but I'm when I say do well as a deck, not like what, like yeah. as a, a player. Like that player did well, you know, one Roaring Moon in the top 128 players. The the deck probably did not do so good overall, right? Um, it will lose the winning in though. Roaring Moon 11th place, losing the winning in. Are we getting like one of these a week from you now, or like a super specific <laughs> prediction? Who's playing? Jose Marrero playing it. Jose Marrero playing Roaring Moon 11th place, losing the winning in two. Losing to a Mew will be tough. The paths just ooh. hit a little bit too hard. Yeah, I know. The hammers. They've still got the hammers. <laughs> yeah, they've still got the... Ooh, that means Millennium. Who let the Mew with hammers make top eight, bro? Come on, bro. <laughs> it was Jose, bro. What are you doing, bro? <laughs> Come on. All right, all right. Hammer, Mew, and top eight beating Jose on the winning end. All right, what about Intei Iron Valiant? That's one we haven't talked about yet today. It didn't do super good in uh, Stuttgart. There was a couple of them in day two. Yeah five of them to be exact um yeah didn't do the best yeah, so i played a lot with this deck up this one it's one of those decks that i go back to and i'm just like i'll keep trying to make it work better and better and i do like where the the, the way my list is headed um but i just don't think the deck's that good i think the deck is just not that powerful and i don't actually even think there's a meta where it becomes powerful enough because i don't think your charizard matchup is great um i don't think your guard war matchup is that good either Dude, um, he got like dumped on in Stuttgart, by the way. Yeah, I think it's like fine against both those decks. Uh, One person got matchup. top 64. Everyone else is outside of top 64. Yeah. That was in day two with a deck. I'm not sure if your Marana matchup is good or bad, but it's like fine. But like you, you don't have any like ridiculously good matchups. Yeah, I just don't think the deck's that good, to be honest. It's just like a, a gimmick cheese deck. It's fine. 
Uh, but yeah, not great. I don't expect it to do very well overall. And one that has fallen off the map basically completely. Wow, there's really zero in day zero. two. Where's Chien Pao, man? I don't know. I mean, it's got to be the Maraidon. I think that's the biggest thing. Like, I think your Charizard matchup is good. Yeah. Marvel matchup is fine. Lost Hina matchup is good. The Maraidon matchup is the tough one. The Maraidon is tough. That's tough for the Chien Pao, and it's second most popular deck. It's hard to want to take a rough matchup against the second most popular deck. Um, and that's kind of what is one of one of my predictors was like Maridon wasn't going to be thriving the way it is, so that kind of would make Chien Pao like a fine play moving forward. But yeah, Maridon's kind of thriving for sure, and uh, it makes it it makes it tough for Chien Pao. Zero percent is kind of crazy, but there was only four percent of it total being played at the tournament, so it wasn't like a super highly played deck. I think it was four percent. I'm actually not, maybe it was three point five, something like that. You can actually check it. We could check it on. Yeah, see what just, stats again, is. this is only data reported on Pokestats, so not. Yeah, four percent. Everything. And then zero percent in day two. Um, yeah, I mean it's crazy to see zero though. Two tournaments yeah. in a row. Because I think it was the same thing at Gdansk was zero. Um, yeah, I'll double check. Oh no, we got one. Maybe it was Brisbane zero. One in Gdansk. Yeah, that is crazy. I mean, oh, we got one in Brisbane too. Yo, where was the one in Stuttgart, bro? Come on, give us <laughs> someone's got to hold it down for the Chien Pao gang. All right, how many how many Chien Pao are going to be in day two of San Antonio? Definitely more than zero. All right, give me a number though. Three. Okay, I'm gonna go with. Five. I don't know, dude. There's gonna be freaking 200 people in day two, so. I'm gonna go with five. That's another thing. This day two is gonna be crazy. It's gonna be, it's gonna be big. You're gonna, gonna, gonna need big. to go to get top eight. You're gonna have to get 36 match points, like for sure. Yeah. <laughs> That's crazy. Bro. That's like another reason to maybe not play guard war, right? The yeah. tie, the potential of the, the ties, ties are just are terrible, higher, yeah. right? Uh, and that's maybe, on average, that's maybe what holds back Guard Wars placements in general. But we see it like kind of dominate sometimes. Like Brisbane, there was three in top eight. So it's not a huge deal, I would say, overall. Um, well, good luck, that's a, everyone. Like Hope you thing. can go 12 and three or better. Yeah, jeez, man. Actually, to be honest, that doesn't sound that bad. Going 12 and three doesn't sound that bad. But like a tie gets in there once, and you're just like, dude. Like Then it starts like getting annoying. 12-2-1. Um, yeah, it just sounds way worse than 12, 12 and three. A clean record, you have to no win 12 ties. Games. Usually you could win 11 games and like have some ties, right? You're going to have to get 12 yeah. match wins probably. When is the point? Well, at some point they have to give us something more. At what point do you think that is? Like another round, top cut, top 16, something. At what point? How many players do you think we need to get to to the point where they give us something? I don't know, man. 3,000? I just think we should cut the top 16. I think if we had yeah. the current system and it cut the top 16, it would be just fine. I'd be fine with that. That's what I. That's my personal fix as well, is to cut to top 16. That'd be my personal fix. Yeah. I, I You'd know. initially have those complainers about the first couple events. It's like they end up with like second seed or something. And I do like, think that tournament length is a potential concern here as well. That's why I think top 16 is <clears throat> probably the best solution because it's just 16 players get plus one round. Yeah, but you're talking about adding and you're talking about adding minutes. 90 minutes to the tournament pretty much. Yeah. 75 sure. minutes for the tournament plus a few minutes of turnaround time between maybe we should just be an extra eight. round for an extra round for everyone in day two maybe but yeah then you're talking about adding you know well, something minutes. has to get added eventually or you're gonna it's gonna be only the people who go 15 get top eight which is i think is a little bit absurd right yeah it, yeah but that we're i mean that's talking about like a 10,000 plus person tournament right yeah i guess maybe we're a little bit away from that maybe it's not that <laughs> bad yet we'll get there eventually where it's like you gotta go like 14 and one or something someone will do it right i mean th that well, many people will to. do it well yeah i mean someone will do it but it feels like 
I don't know. I will like. I feel like there'll there'll be a lack of consistency of top performers at that point because I feel like being able to take an L or two in like a trading card game, I think, is like reasonable for the RNG level in the game. You know? Yeah. Um. All right. One more deck to talk about, and then we'll do our predictions. And that is, I think, whenever this deck has been written as a complete meme deck, and then you see four of them in day two of this tournament, and it did okay at you know these other tournaments as well. Cloth Electrodazole. Is this better than just a meme? Um no. <laughs> no. <laughs> like I think Roaring Moon could have a meta where Roaring Moon is good. I don't think Cloth will ever hit a meta where it's like, it's time. I think Roaring Moon could have a What are the two most popular decks? Meta? The what? What are the two most Ar- popular decks? Ar- 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 True. Also, Guardy's a bad on. matchup, but if Guardy's not that good of a play, we just, could, we just lose to Rapid Strike and probably loss on stuff, but you know, we'll, we'll make it work. Honestly, to be honest, when you think about how it pairs up against a lot of the decks in the four, I think its consistency is probably its main issue. Yeah. Not so much um, its theoretical matchups, um, but of course, dead drawing is part of your win percentage. Don't forget that. So, Or just drawing poorly, I guess, not getting your combo set up. So yeah, I don't know. The deck, I think the deck is a meme. And I don't think it's a deck where it's like, I think there could be a meta where it's like, it's Roaring Moon's time. I don't think that meta can exist for Cloth Electrode. I don't think it'll exist for, I think it could theoretically, but I don't think it will. Yeah. You did say it. If we're looking at potentially 30% of the the tournament being Baridon and Charizard. Charizard, Honestly, I don't even know. Does Charizard have a bad matchup into this? Like Electrode one hit KOs you, but you one hit KO Electrode. So like, is it that bad? I actually don't know. Maybe. Um, I couldn't tell you to be honest because I haven't uh really played with Cloth Electro. <laughs> even put the time off. I played with Cloth. Oh, straight Cloth is kind of cool, but what place did this person get? Forty fifth. What are you doing? You're checking I'm there. Checking matchups. Oh, lost dude, this guy started so good and lost three in a row. No, dude, they were about uh they're about to make it happen. Oh man. Mew matchups tough. They didn't have a tech from Mew though, did they? Did they have Drapion in there or something? No. Yeah, the Muse stuff as well. If you rock the Drapion. Yeah, Drapion, Spear Tomb. Lost to the Charizard after that. And then Lost Tina's got to be a terrible matchup, right? Probably. Can't wait on a KO Tina V-Star. A lot of question marks here. Let's look at one of the other ones. You're trying to get the, the cloth data? <laughs> We're breaking down the cloth data. This is important stuff. I, oh, they okay. beat a Lost Tina. Farm some Maridons, you know? Okay, classic, classic. Juho got a tie out of it. I wonder if that's... That... Oh, that has to be around 990. No way, That has to be a situation bro. of Juho's playing the Maridon. Uh, their yeah. opponent flips over a cloth, and Juho's like, want the ID? And Alessandro's like, yeah, sure, I'll make day two. <laughs> Dude, you beat... You beat Juho there, bro. You beat the Maridon. Take him out! Take him out! You know what he's playing? You I'm assuming his that's off the limitless. situation, by the way. But that not... Uh, not... That is generally how it plays that out. Is like how, that that's is what happens a lot. Yeah, that happens a lot, yeah. Next time, take him out. Take him out. <laughs> Going seven and two with the cloth. You're feeling good. That's the top A right there. We're locked in. We're locked in. You steal all of Juho's powers that he just gathered from when he had IC, apply them to the cloth, and that's a dub. <laughs> all right, well, let's do some predictions here. Azul, based on the things we've talked about today, will a Gardevoir make it to top eight of this tournament? There's been none in top eight of the last two European tournaments. It did win in Brisbane. It dominated LAIC. It's still going to be like third, fourth most popular deck. Is it going to make top eight? I'm going to go with no, but like, I'm not going to be surprised if it does. A lot of good players are going to still play it. Still a very good deck, but I'm going to go with no. Cause like, yeah, my predictions around the meta is it's not great right now. 
Um, so you know, gotta like trust your your instincts on. I mean, trust my instincts on this one. And go with no. Yeah, I agree with you that uh, it's not a great play. I think right now, but it's still gonna make top eight because enough people are gonna play it. I think, you know, um, I don't know. In the last format before this one, like there was a lot of like lost box, you know, diehards, like people who are committed yeah, yeah. to the lost box. They were always gonna play lost box. They might change a few things to make it better for what they thought the meta was gonna be, but lost box was gonna be what they were playing. I think Gardevoir is that deck for a lot of people right now. They are committed to the Gardevoir. Yeah, That's the deck they play. Thick. They're locked in. The meta might not be as good for it, but it's still a strong deck. They've got the copium of, you know, they come from behind strats to win. I mean, it's a deck that feels so good to play, right? You have so many options, so many outs. You can always win every game, and then, you know, you blink and then you tie instead. But, um, you know, you do have... It does feel that way. It does feel... Like, whenever I pick up Gardevoir and play it, it feels like one of the most enjoyable decks I've played because you have so much stuff you can do. Maybe that's how James Cox can stream that exclusively that guard war for like six hours or whatever. Just like, cause it is, it is <laughs> probably one of the yeah. <laughs> six days a week. Um, cause it is like one of the most enjoyable decks to play. Right. Especially as someone who is like, you know, a little bit better of a player, a little bit more. It gives you player. a great chance to express, you know, to outplay. Expression. Yeah, opponent, yeah, exactly. Right? Exactly. Yeah. Of course. Of course. Yeah. Even yeah. though you so, don't think outplaying exists. Well, Yeah. You have a chance to make a comeback. You have chances for your opponent to make mistakes. Yeah, sure. I'm not gonna. I don't know if I'm gonna categorize my opponent making a mistake as me outplaying them, but they definitely messed up. That's for sure. Did you play better than them? That's not what outplaying is. <laughs> then what is it? That playing better than them is playing better than them, or your opponent making a mistake. Outplaying is like, I don't know. I feel like there has to be like a physical exchange. Like that's why, like in sports, you can outplay someone because you're, there's like the physical aspect of it and the uh, mental aspect of it, right? But is it really outplaying them if you're just like stronger? Well, yeah, than because them? it. Well, it's like I don't know. If, like if you're gonna go left or you're gonna go right, and someone's trying to block you, it's like well, if I if it's if okay. anything, we don't need to have this argument right now. We've had it. <laughs> All <before>. right. Okay. <laughs> Next, what will be the sixth most popular deck? In yeah, so we one. usually do a prediction like this and try to predict what the most popular deck is going to be. But thought it would be kind of funny to like on the stream graphic that they put up there try to predict what is the sixth most popular deck going to be so like because i think like if we're predicting the most popular deck you know one of us is going to pick charizard the other is going to pick Maridon, and it's just going to be one of those two right well i picked guard for it sixth place specifically there's some division here potentially yeah i know what i'm going to pick so i'll let you go first i'm gonna go with mew okay i missed a pretty safe one that is one of the ones that it's like i think in that realm of of potentially i'm gonna go with rapid strike though because we're not that in Europe, would be crazy if we're not in Europe that anymore. Would it be the first time it's made it onto the graphic, or has it made it there before? Uh, at least in like this format, like probably back in like 2022, whenever it was like you know a different deck, right? EUIC last year, two oh, years yeah, ago, yeah. I guess. Makes sense. Yeah, I'm gonna go. Yeah, I'm gonna go rapid strike. It's it's got to be super close. So to being on the the graphic, this will probably be the most played. I I bet like this will be the most played that rapid strike Intellian Urshifu has been ever will be this tournament like meta yep. meta share percentage wise i think that makes sense i think that makes sense it's also probably maybe the strongest it's ever no there's been some moments where it's been pretty strong before in the past but this is, yeah, this but is up there for still sure wasn't that played yeah all right and then last one you know this is the deck right now is what beats the most popular two decks what is the highest placing cloth electrode going to be at this tournament you know what if the cloth electrode player had played it out against juho i would have gone with the top 16 because they didn't, um, the cloth the cloth electrode is lacking power right now. So I'm gonna go with a top sixty four. Gonna be top sixty four. Top sixty four for the cloth, bro. Oh, man, absolutely <laughs> no respect. Absolutely no respect. And you know what I'm gonna do? I'm gonna do something crazy here. 
absolutely no crazy. shot. <laughs> I'll Quop take a electrode. This is for the people in top eight of San Antonio <laughs> regionals. Just wait, bro. It's going to happen. It's going to be glorious. Electrodes are going to become $20 a piece. <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead and buy them now. Chip literally invested in, in electrodes before. before <laughs> now predicting the top eight. Yeah. <laughs> trying to coax people into playing electrode, bro. What the heck? Well, and that is uh, that's it for our predictions. That's it for all the decks. Azul, is there anything we didn't cover that you want to make sure we mention? Any or what? What would be one last parting word of advice to the players in San Antonio this weekend? How about that? Get some sleep. That's what you got. Get some sleep. Get some sleep. Probably eat some uh, food. Drink some water. Right. Some food. Drink. Probably don't play guard war. Okay. There um, we go. That's it. I'm out. That's all I got. Well, thanks so much to everyone, as always, for listening and supporting us here at the Uncommon Energy Podcast. If you did enjoy, please be sure to leave us a rating wherever you are listening. Or if you're watching here on YouTube, drop a like, comment, subscribe, all those good things. We did pass 7,000 subs on the YouTube channel recently, so appreciate everyone showing their support over here. And, uh, yeah, if you want to stay up to date and connected with us, the best place to do that is over on Twitter. You can follow myself at Chip Ritchie. Azul is at Azul underscore GG. What are you smiling at? Nothing, nothing. Okay, and you can follow the podcast at Uncommon <laughs> underscore Energy. Thanks so much for the continued support. And when we get to the bonus episode, we'll find out what Azul was smiling about. Yeah, appreciate uh, appreciate the support as always. Uh Good luck to anyone going to San Antonio. And if you if you bump into me or I'm sure Chip as well and want to say what's up, um, take a picture or whatever. Um, I'm always down. Chip's usually down. A little grumpy. He can be <laughs> I am a little, also he, always down. He can be a little grumpy sometimes, <laughs> I, though. Well, some <laughs> I will say sometimes I'm like running to like get backstage or something like that. Yeah. I've had to say no a time or two, but not because I don't want to take a picture or say hello. Yeah, we'll catch y'all uh, next Wednesday at uh, 7 a.m. Eastern.